All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. It's a new week, Tim. I had a great weekend. I'm not going to lie. It was fantastic. I was out on the beach. I was swimming. I was eating good food. It was so great. I had one little hiccup. The wife and I went on a date. Oh, that sounds terrible. Well, that's not the hiccup. Oh, okay. The hiccup is we went to this restaurant, obviously, and we get some appetizers. Have you ever like have you ever gone to a fancy restaurant? Yeah, once once or twice. It was just like they, we get an appetizer, tomatoes with like some cheese and stuff, heirloom tomato. It comes out. It was like a half a tomato cut into slices with some balsamic vinegar drizzled on top, and it was fifteen dollars. I'm like, what a joke. We get some white fish white fish ceviche for fifteen bucks, and it was like they just took some crumbled tuna and dumped some vinegar on it and sprinkled some pepper on it. And that was it. And I was just like, I just paid $30 for this stuff. And I get a beer and my wife gets a beer and we get another beer and she gets another beer. And that's all we got. Cause I didn't want to order dinner. I was like, this is a joke. We <laughs> leave there. I dropped like 50, 60 bucks. And I was like, so disappointed. It was just one of those things. Like why even bother going out to dinner? Oh, poor Danielle. You are, oh. you are just tough. Come on. It was her idea. It was her idea to leave. She's like this. I can make better food at home. So we went to the grocery store. We picked up some scallops. We picked some kale from our garden. We steamed up some rice and we went home. We had a nice bottle of wine. That was that. And it was a great dinner. And I'm just like, I hate restaurants. Unless I go to like a greasy spoon restaurant, all these fancy ones can kick rocks. I don't like it. They're not enough portion, always terrible. And it's just like, it's insane amount of money. Like why? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I just didn't like it. I'm sorry to hear that. Sounds like otherwise a pretty good weekend though. (laughs) Otherwise it was really nice. What about you? It was good. I, I'm driving now, finally. Ooh, the new car. Yeah, I bought a new car like a week before I broke my leg. Uh, it feels so good to like just have that freedom again and be able to just hit the open road and not depend on other people when you need to get places. And I had friends and family helping me the last few months, but it's nice. I I, I went for like an hour and a half drive last week. Like you're like a dog that gets the cone taken off its neck. And you're just running through doors like, I can go wherever I want. Yeah. Where did you drive to an hour and a half? Did you go north or south? I went from my uncle's house and just up in uh, Sutton's Bay, which is north of Traverse City, and just kind of drove the back roads. 
uh, just kept going. And that's my neck of the woods. You were driving by my house. Yeah. Not too far. Beautiful country back there. It's just, it's God's country. It's beautiful. I went past your church. You did. Yeah. Well, very good, Tim. Well, good. We both had a good weekend. You know who didn't have a good weekend? The Boston Bruins. So the Bruins went into this offseason with the expectation, I would say the hope of having their second line center back and David Krejci. He has been a part of that team for how many years has Krejci been on the Bruins, Tim? Do you know offhand? I think 14 seasons, something like that. 14 seasons. So he's been there a minute. And they need some help. Obviously, they're they're right up against the cap. And Krejci, they were hoping he was going to come in and maybe sign a team-friendly deal. He's made a bunch of money over his career. He's been on the Bruins since 2007, 2008. So you do the math. I don't know. From age 21 to age 34. Seems to me 13, 14 years. They were hoping he was going to come back. You know, we, we signed Tyler Hall. We got some pieces back. We got Cre- or, uh, Marchand. We got your best line. The second line is going to be set. You can team up with Hall and maybe Smith or Coyle or DeBrasco, whoever you throw on the other side. And it's going to be a really formidable top two lines. Well, that didn't happen. He, much like a lot of other Europeans at the end of their career, they want to go home. They want to play in front of their own fr- friends. They want to play in front of their own family. They want to you know, get a chance while they still can play and still can play at a high level to go home, which I don't even have to admire that. You, you can't get too upset at him. But at the same time, it's like that he puts the Bruins in a really tough spot. And I don't know what the conversations have been like between him and Don Sweeney. I don't think we'll ever know. Maybe he was kind of giving them the indication, well, maybe I'm going to come back. Maybe I'm not. We'll see, you know, kind of wishy-washy, lukewarm answers. This is a huge blow to the Boston Bruins. This is an epic meltdown, not a meltdown, but they are they scrambling now, Tim? You're a Boston Bruins insider. You more than anybody, you, you know, you're like the heartbeat. You're on it. You know what's going on in Boston. What is happening right now in the offices? What are the players saying? What are the people on the street saying about the Boston Bruins, Tim, and their chances next year now that they don't have David Krejci in the fold? Oh, man. I... When he released that little press statement on Friday, I I posted a video right away, kind of a reaction video. Um, he's obviously returning to the Czech Republic to finish his career at home. And in his statement, he kind of talked about how he wanted to play in front of his his friends and family, his parents, the people who had sacrificed so much to help him have that NHL career. And he wanted his kids to live in the place where he grew up. And I totally respect that, understand that. And he deserves to go out on his own terms and, um, you know, all the best for him. And I think he's been probably one of the most underrated NHLers of the past, you know, 10, 15 years, and probably one of the most underrated Boston athletes of all time. And I was looking at some numbers. A lot of these came up on Twitter um, in reaction to this news. I'll pull up a couple just to kind of show where he re- how good he really was as a, as a Bruin and as an NHL player. So since he entered the NHL, only five guys have more playoff points than him. Those guys are Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, Kane, and Kucherov. He's right up there with those guys, which is crazy, especially considering only won one cup. Um, so that's kind of crazy. He also is the Bruins' all-time forward leader in playoff points and with 124 and assists with 82. And this is the cool stat from last season. So he's 33, 34 years old at this point. And in all situations, assists per 60 minutes, it's one McDavid, two Panarin, three McKinnon, four Dreisaitl, five David Krejci. So he was still playing at an elite level. So you're right. This is a huge, huge gap that the Bruins have to fill. Um, and I think he's totally unappreciated. I think number 46 should be in the rafters and never worn again by the Bruins. <clears throat> oh, okay. Easy. 
That's I, a little aggressive to say that. No, 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 it's not. He's 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 earned that. He's so I mean, you think someone just because they played someone above average for fourteen years, they get above the- average. Were you reading your phone when I just read those tweets? I read those. Okay, because tweets matter when it goes to retiring a number. This is one of the most storied franchise in all of hockey. They were an original six team. And you're telling me that a guy who's not even going to be a Hall of Famer, he should go to the rafters. Think about this. Original original six team. He hasn't even played a thousand games. And he leads the entire franchise in playoff points and playoff assists. He's that good. Well, because they've had good teams and they've gone to the, the playoffs a lot. And why have they had good teams? He's been a big part of that. You're oh, right, but he's not the sole. Okay, so let's listen to the guys who are retired with the Boston Bruins. Eddie Shore. Heard of him. Lionel Hitchman. Don't know who that is. Bobby Orr. Yep. Dit Clapper. Yep. Phil Esposito. Pretty good. Cam Neely. Yep. Johnny Busick. Mm-hmm. Milt Schmidt, all-timer, Terry O'Reilly, Bruins legend, Ray Bork, and that's it. And that's it. So you're telling me David Krejci, in a 100-year history for the Boston Bruins, slides in there with that group of guys. Never won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. Yes, he did. When? His first year? 2011. He wasn't on the team in 2011. Yes, he was. Come on, John. He was? I'm prepared when we were recording. All right, have your stats ready. Have well, he won one Stanley Cup with the ball. When did he start then? He started like 07, like you just said, whatever you just read off. Oh, well, I apologize for that. He's won one Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. He's never been their best player in any nope. season ever. Uh, well, he's, he's had the most points on the team, but no, I would say he's never been their best player. He's never had the most points on the team. Yes. Maybe one year he has, maybe once. I there's no way he goes in the rafters. If if you put him in the rafters, you have to put Marshawn in the rafters. You have to put Bergeron in the rafters. Bergeron's to, in the rafters. 100%. You have to put um, Zidane Ochar in the rafters. You have to put Pasternak in the rafters. You have to no, put the no, guys in the rafters. Right, hold on. Why this, not? This Why? is the argument I wanted to have. This is not the point of this conversation. But you say it. You have to defend it. If you put him in the rafters, there are literally four guys on that team you have to put ahead of him, and so the rafters are going to get pretty. Pretty clogged up for a team that won one Stanley Cup in a 15-year period. And all of a sudden, these guys are enshrined in the rafters of the Boston Bruins. It's arguably one of the greatest franchises in NHL history, original six. And he's going to be sitting next to Ray Bork. And Bork's, Ray Bork's going to look over and be like, um, yeah, I played her 21 years. I was arguably the best defenseman of all time. I've got a ton of Norris trophies. I've been in the All-Star game a million times. All-time points leader for defensemen. Oh, oh, you were good for 12, 13 years? Oh, cool. Cool, David Krejci. You deserve to be here. What a, Tim, retract your statement before we get emails. I will not. I will not. I stand You're by such it. Such a homer. You and Jack Edwards are two and alike. All right. Move. I don't. Okay. Moving on. What else so, about Krejci? Krejci's gone. What do the Bruins do from here? And when I posted that video at the beginning of the weekend, I kind of said that they need to make some moves. They have to make some moves to fill that hole and they don't have the money to do it. And honestly thinking, trying to get in Sweeney's mind, I I think he's going to try to look for a solution in house. They made a couple of free agency splashes last week. I think Eric Holla, Charlie Coyle and Nick Foligno will all get looks at that second line center. I'm not excited about any of them necessarily, but they're, I think they're going to try to, you know, like I said, build that solution in house. Eric Colla had 29 goals, 55 points a few years ago for Vegas. Can he regain that form if he's playing with Taylor Hall and, and Craig Smith? 
is Nick forward or Nick, sorry, is Nick Polino a top six forward at this point in his career? I don't think so. Charlie Coyle was reportedly injured last year. He's a solid player when he's healthy, but he's never put up anything close to what Krejci's numbers are. So I think they're hoping that, you know, one of these guys might surprise them and, and, and Craig Smith can also play a little bit of center too. So maybe, maybe they catch fire and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle with one of these guys. The other big thing is they have this kid named Jack Stanika. He was a first round pick um, a few years ago. He's been playing in Providence, playing really well. The reports are looking good. Maybe they're hoping that he'll make that leap and jump up and play those minutes. Um, I'm not expecting that. He's still a young kid. He doesn't have much NHL experience at all. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he'll surprise people. It happens all the time. Every every training camp is some some kid on some team who surprises everyone and locks in a top six role out of nowhere. So maybe that's Tudnika this year. So I think they like they try to fill his role by by committee with all these options. And then, of course, if it's not working, they'll make some kind of move during the season or at the deadline. Do you think the Dallas Stars should have Mike Ribeiro's jersey raised to the rafters? John, come on. Let's answer the question. No. Answer it. No. Not, Why not? He's not as good as them. That's great. He's got more points than Krejci ever got. Did he have a cup? I think he does, yeah. I think he won one with Dallas. No, he didn't. Dallas hasn't won since like 2001. That's when year he was there. Was. I, Mike I, I if if Krejci goes to the rafters, you better put Mike Ribeiro up there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, then yes. Alice Hemsky with the Oilers, right? He's, he there you go. There. Well, this is the ball of wax. You're opening up here, Pandora's if box. You gotta, if you put if an not, average to above average player up in the rafters, then you're going to have to just put everybody up there. John, and every, every, I don't think the rinks are big enough. He's sixth in the league in playoff points in the last 15 years behind Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, Kane, and Kucherov. Because he's played a lot of playoff games. He's probably played way more playoff games than all those And he leads the Bruins in playoffs every year they do it. It's not my fault the Bruins tank in the playoffs and he's the only guy who scores a few points. He's not. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm not going to find this this with a response anymore. If you bring this up again, you're going to hear radio silence on my end. Best episode ever if I do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, are we going to throw Jason Palmaville up in Buffalo into the rafters? Oh, come on. They, they're very comparable players. Sure. But that's no. all I'm saying. I could see Pominville because Buffalo doesn't have the history of Boston. Boston's got such an epic history. Are we going to throw up Jakob Voracek in Philly? Similar type player, same amount of points, very similar stats. I'm just, I'm just saying you're it, that's a very, I'm just still like shaking my head at that comment. Anyways, the Bruins are in trouble. I, it really handcuffs them. And if they were thinking that he was going to resign, this is a fail for their offseason. After which, last episode, we just talked about how great of an offseason they had. And they don't have any money. They don't have any wiggle room. Do you think a team's going to go out of their way to help them out and take a Jake DeBrusque from them? Do you think a team's going to go out of their way? Who, who other than Jake DeBrusque can you take from this team to find some money? You, you still got to sign Tuka Rask. Is he going to come back for the veterans minimum? I don't think so. What, where are you going to find this money? You have money locked up with Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn Hall, Coyle, and Felino, and DeBrusque, and Craig Smith. All those guys make $3 million plus, and it's like, gosh, we can't give up Charlie McAvoy. We have to re-sign him next year. He makes 4.9 this year. You think he's going to come back at 4.9? It's going to be another Tory Krug situation where he's going to want to get paid like an elite defenseman. He's going to want to be $7 million plus, so you have to plan for that. 
Brandon Carlo has been injury prone. He makes 4.1. That's a pretty good contract for the Bruins. But then you have Grizzlick, Forbert, and Riley. They each make $3 million plus. Those contracts don't look really great right now. Like If I'm looking to find money, it's like, okay, we just signed Derek Forbert. The guy got 12 points last year. We signed him for $3 million per. Blocks a lot of shots. Good for him. Do we want a guy blocking shots, making $3 million bucks? Grizzlick's a good puck-moving defenseman. He makes three and a change. That's good. Mike Riley, prone to mistakes. He makes $3 million bucks. Ah, where do we find money, Tim? I don't know how it's going to work out. If they ice the team they have now, they'll be very competitive. They'll be a playoff team, but I don't see them being a Stanley Cup contender with this team that they're icing right now. Krejci was the key to unlocking this whole kind of puzzle where it's like he's going to solidify the second line. The first line's a lock. They're guaranteed to give you points every single game, the perfection line. If Krejci doesn't come back, do you alter that first line? Do you move Marshawn down? Do you move Pasternak down? Do you move Bergeron down? Put uh, a Charlie Coyle up with that first line? Do you mess with that much chemistry to kind of balance out the second line to help your team? Tim? I thought about it. Like maybe Felino plays with Bergeron and Marchand, and then whoever comes into second, like Hall up between Pasternak and Hall. And maybe that balances out those top two lines, but I hate messing with that top line. So I don't know. It's really hard to see, like, especially the second and third lines, how they pan out. Uh, I do hope they can move to Brusque. I, I like the player. I hope it works out for him, but that was all before Krejci left. And I, I also think that probably Taylor Hall was assuming that Krejci was going to play when he signed. So I wonder if he's a little frustrated, kind of like, well, I had great chemistry with this guy. He's gone. Who am I going to play with? This is the team that I thought I was signing with, you know? So um, I don't know. In my mind, they have less than, what, $2 million in cap space, and they have two big holes in their roster, second-line center, and I still think they needed help on defense. I don't love the way their their defensive core is shaked out. Um, so, yeah, this is this is a little uh, it's a little scary as a, as a Bruins fan. It's a little concerning, especially given the fact that they do have their top forwards signed to good deals. Yeah. So where they've made a mistake now is their middle-of-the-road forwards they've given too much money to, and then their middle-of-the-road defensemen. You honestly have to make it where there's no middle class anymore. You have to sign your top guys to big money, and you have to like kind of get lucky with the third and fourth line guys where you can sign them to a manageable contract, and they produce. It's, it's really tricky to kind of handle the salary cap these days because the top players, they want their money. They're going to get it regardless. And the players that are going to kind of feel the the tightening of the salary cap is the middle, middle of the road guys. All of a sudden they used to make $4 million. Now they're making $2 million. And the guys who were the third, fourth line guys, they were making one or two. Now you're making league minimum. So We'll see what happens. I think they made a mistake in signing Forbert and Riley to those $3 million contracts. I think they should have maybe pushed them for two, 1.5. That's just my sense. They would have opened themselves up to a little bit more money, but I don't know. They always seem to manage. We'll see what happens. It's not a good look right now for the Boston Bruins. If they want to compete and they want to win a Stanley Cup, you still got to sign Tuca. Swayman's not even, he's under contract, but he's not counting on the cap friendly where we're getting all our numbers from. They have zero money left, like absolutely not a cent. It's Sweeney's got to be sweating a little bit. He's got to be sweating. If I was a GM, I'd be calling right now. I'd be buying low on Jake DeBrusque. I'd be ask, asking about Craig Smith. Hey, what can I do to help you out? I'll take these contracts off your hands. I know you want to get some talent. Does David Krejci come back, play for another team potentially? Does, do you ever see that happening? We've seen guys go over to Europe and come back and play for a different team. He's a UFA. Could you envision David Krejci coming back at the end of the season? His European season's over. He's still in a UFA. He signs with a team that's a Stanley Cup contender, and it's not the Boston Bruins. So I thought about that, and he said um, 
that he would never play anywhere but Boston. And, and the guy say that doesn't necessarily mean that's the case, especially when, I don't know, when, when push comes to shove. But in order to come back into any contract, he'd have to go through the waiver. So any team in the, in the league could claim him. So there's, no, there's nothing that guarantees he'll play in Boston if, if the Bruins do want to bring him back. Unless he says, makes some statements saying, like, if any other team claims me, I'm not going to play for you. I'm only playing for Boston or not, or not at all. But even that's not a perfect system. Teams could still claim him just to make sure Boston doesn't get him. So I, I don't think – I think he's done. I don't think he comes back in the, in the Bruins jersey. I think, he's, I think he's done. I don't think he comes back to the NHL at all. Yeah, I hope so. You, you like to hear that. Oh, I'm going to play for the Bruins. But, hey, what happens if he comes back? He's getting an offer from the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're like, hey, you want to come back, play with Kucherov? It'll be fun. You can win a Stanley Cup. Play in Florida, no salary cap, or uh, no, no state tax. It'll be great. I don't know. It would be awesome if he came back and signed with another team. It would just be sweet. It would be sweet, sweet music to my ears. All right, Tim, moving on. You know, you think you've hit rock bottom. You think nothing else can go wrong, and then something does. It's the Jack Eichel situation. Everybody fully expected him to be traded before the draft, Everyone thought it was a given. He's obviously not happy. He made that statement at the end of the season, how there was a disconnect. He wasn't sure, you know, his relationship with Kevin Adams, you know, obviously they traded or they got rid of Raul Kruger, the head coach who he really, really liked. They had a good relationship. They brought in Donato, whom obviously maybe Jack didn't even play for him. I don't know the relationship that they have the year end meetings. It didn't look like there was going to be any reconciliation. Fast forward to now. Didn't get traded at the draft, got rid of Ristolainen, got rid of, got rid of Reinhardt, lost both starting goaltenders, didn't add anybody, just a complete mess of an offseason. So for the, for the boss or for the Buffalo Sabres, excuse me. And now there's this statement. So Jack Eichel's agents, and this is calculated. This, you know, they didn't just release a statement on a whim. This is Jack Eichel telling his agents, Hey, listen, Bruins have been spewing some stuff. They're, they're saying, not non-truths maybe Kevin Adams has been very open with the situation with Jack Eichel and I'm sure Jack Eichel just kind of told his agents you know what let's set the let's set the story straight we're going to go right to the horse's mouth and we're going to release a statement so this is a statement I'll read it in full and this is quote the process is not working as previous, previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period after the agreed upon and prescribed period for concert Conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021. It was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon and other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable with having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabres specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires, even as of this date. Repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL, and it is not working. Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli, Jack Eichel's agents. Shots fired, heads up. Suck on that one, Buffalo Sabres. That's what's going on. That's what Jack Eichel's saying. You guys are dummies, and this is a situation. Stop slandering my name. Stop saying I'm the problem. This is what's happening. So basically, in a nutshell, Jack's got a, a herniated disc in his neck. 
He has consulted with his specialists, with which is what we fought for in the last lockout to get a secondary opinion. So he's gone to some high flutin doctors, and the doctor said, "Listen, you have this problem. This is how you fix it. The only issue is the sabers say you have this problem. We don't think you need to have surgery. You just need time, and it'll heal itself." So they're butting heads. Usually in this situation, you go to a third party arbiter, and they figure out what's going to happen. But Jack's like, "No, my doctor is like the best doctor in the world." And he's assured me if I get this surgery, everything will be great, and I'll be able to play again. The thing that they don't mention here: no NHL player has ever gotten this surgery. This is going to be a once in a lifetime kind of groundbreaking surgery for an NHL player. This surgery is very risky, and they just played off like, "Oh, it's fine. It's an artificial disc replacement surgery. That's a big deal. You're taking out one of your own discs and you're replacing it with an artificial one. That's great if you're just like a normal Joe Schmo walking around." If you're an NHL player and you're getting bashed and beaten and you're falling and you're twisting and you're turning, you're putting your body in a very, very just tense situations all the time. You don't know how it's going to react. It's one of these things where it's like if you're the guinea pig and you're the first NHL player we're doing this to, do you want as an NHL team to be like, yeah, that's fine, go, go and do this, and then we'll pay, pay you ten million dollars, or? Do you want to wait till the disc maybe isn't so inflamed and you just do the tr- tried and true way or it's like, okay, we're just going to, you know, wait this one out until you're healed and you can play again. So they're obviously having a difference of opinion. Jack wants to have the surgery. He's pressuring him right now, man. It's, it's a bad situation. And I don't know how to rectify this. If I'm Kevin Adams, I'm just, I'm trying to trade this guy yesterday and I'm sure he has been. But there's a little bit of pride involved. Kevin Adams shot back. He's like, listen, I'm not going to make a deal that doesn't help our team. We're moving forward. Jack's a part of this team. But uh, I'm not going to be bullied into a trade. I love that mindset. But at the same time, you have to do what's best for your team. And maybe you're kind of scuttling Jack Eichel's value by letting him release these statements, by forcing him to kind of say stuff in the public like, well, I don't want to be here. I want to get surgery. You're not letting me heal. You're not letting me do things that's going to improve my NHL career. So it's just a, it's just a terrible situation. It, you very rarely see this in the NHL where a star player is begging almost for a trade. And the GM's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And the thing that puts a cloud over this whole situation is he's hurt. If I'm an opposing GM and I'm trading for Jack Eichel and he has this very – kind of rare surgery that they're going to perform. What Jack Eichel am I getting? You know, do, do I trade for him right now and then get the surgery and maybe, you know, he never heals or do I wait until he gets the surgery and I want to see the results. And it's like, okay, Jack Eichel's Jack Eichel. I can trade for him. It's just an unknown. I remember I played with Ray Emery, you know, who's passed away. God rest his soul. He had double hip replacement surgery where he had two artificial hips put in. And it's like, no one knew what you were going to get back. The Blackhawks signed him. He came back. He was great, but he was constantly getting rehab. He wasn't the same goalie. So this is the same type of thing where you're getting an artificial disc put in your spine. Like that's a big deal. And what happens if he gets twisted up and pushed and, you know, pressure put on that point and it's like it just pops or it fails or it ruptures or something bad happens. I don't know. I'm not a huge guy when I come, when it comes to, spine spine stuff but it just sounds very nerve-wracking to me if i'm going to trade for a star guy and give up a huge package for jack eichel i know tim what did you think about this i know i was just long are you still upset about the Krejci thing is that why you're not talking i'm looking up counter arguments no i'm not it's uh <laughs> it's it's fine and and i think uh for eichel the big question mark and i saw some like a lot of discord on twitter about it it's just basically that it's hard to give up like you just said 
imagine giving a first round pick and prospects and whatever to take on a $10 million cap hit for a big question mark. I mean, obviously when he's on the ice, he's arguably a top five player in the league, but it's just, it's just so much risk to take on a lot of red flags. Like you said, it's, it's not like a normal NHL surgery. It's not, not experimental, but just unknown. And uh, a lot of unknown factors there. Like you said, it's just a high risk of, of re-aggravation, re-injury, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the latest kind of rumblings have talked about just the Sabres retaining up to half of his cap hit um, for at least for the first couple of years. So maybe if the Rangers or the Ducks or the Kings go after him, he's only going to cost $5 million in their book, which would definitely open things up a little bit. Um, but if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm demanding a lot more in the trade. If it's the Rangers, I want Capo Caco. If it's if it's the Kings, I want uh, Turcotte. You know what I mean? Like if the, if the op- if that's the case and they're eating some cap, the offer is going to be even better. So it'll be weird to see kind of how this how this shakes out. I hope he gets traded. I hope he gets healthy. I hope we see a healthy Jack Eichel next year tearing up the league. Um, but man, it's just it's just too bad. This whole thing is kind of ugly. It's kind of crazy that it got to this point in the first place. And at the end of the day, this is what bothers me too. And I see this happens in football quite a bit. And football is a little different story because the contracts are not guaranteed and the teams, teams can void them whenever, you know, a player starts to, you know, lose production and they're not the same player they signed. Like if you're Jack Keichel, you signed an eight-year deal. And I know when you signed, you you signed under the impression that they're going to do whatever they can to win. But you're making 10 mil a year. You're playing in the NHL and you made a commitment to this team. It's like, suck it up. That's a, you know, part of me wants to say that, but another part of me is like, you know what? Well, the Sabres aren't holding up their end of the bargain. They're icing a team that's a, a JV squad. And so it, it's just one of those situations where it's like, A, you're not helping yourself if you want to get traded by saying you have a herniated disc and you want to get surgery. And it's a very experimental surgery. B, you sign with this team for eight years for $10 million a year. You knew what you were getting into. It's not like when you signed, you were signing up with a, a dynasty team that had just coming off Stanley cup runs like they, they haven't made the playoffs in well over a decade. So you kind of know, like you made your bed. Now you're going to sleep in it. Like you knew what you were getting into when you re-signed with the Buffalo Sabres. This is not, this is par for the course for the Sabres. They've been this way for a long time. This is not a stable franchise ever since Terry Bagula took over. It's been kind of, you know, it's a tire fire over there. Like it's just Buffalo Sabres par for the course. So you know, what are you going to do? You just suck it up and you play, you go out there, you get the surgery, you don't get the surgery, you try to do your can, and then trade, get traded, you know? I don't know. Jason Palmerville's looking pretty good right now, isn't he? He's going to go to the Raptors in Buffalo. All you have to do is be a mediocre to subpar player and play there for a long time, and he's going to go straight to the Rafters. Yeah, Andrew Peters, totally. yeah, it's going to be Palmerville, Coletta. I might go to the Rafters for Pete's sake. I played there for two years. You never know. The, the bar is set low with David Krejci. Oh. Very low. It's unbelievable. It, it honestly is. Hi, John. You're getting me all worked up and getting hungry. I'm going to go on my phone right now. Okay. I got your address on my phone, Tib. And this goes for everybody else. If you want DoorDash, you know what the great thing about DoorDash is? I can order food before I'm even home. So if I want a pizza and I'm on my way home, and I've done this before, it's like, okay, I'm going to be home in 30 minutes. I'm going to call Jets Pizza and I'm going to get them to meet me at my front door so the pizza's piping hot. As soon as I walk in that door, pizza in my mouth go to the fridge, crack a beer. It's going to be a good night. So do that. Go to DoorDash, open up the app, go to a pizza place on your way home, get someone else to do it. You're not, you're not driving. 
Enter promo code GLOVESDD. You're going to get 25% off. You're going to get free delivery. It's going to be great. The food's going to be there when you get home. You can order DoorDash wherever you are. That's a beautiful thing. You don't have to be sitting on your couch. You can be driving home. You can be at the beach. Now I want some tacos when I get home. Boom, DoorDash is there. It's a beautiful company. We love working them. They support the show. We support them. And help us. You know, I want a little green in my pocket. And this is how you guys can help drop in the gloves. You go to DoorDash, enter promo code GLOVESDD. It helps you. It helps me. It's great. You support us. We support you. It's a good system. So go to DoorDash, promo code GLOVESDD. It's just a win, win, win all around. We really appreciate it. We love your guys' support. So help support the companies that support us. DoorDash. Moving on. There was a situation that was rectified. You know, we have the dumpster fire that is the Buffalo Sabres. We have the apparent canonization of David Krejci. And now we have the Chicago Blackhawks. They made a move a few weeks ago. They traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. There was a lot of, you know, hoopla about the the Vegas Golden Knights. They didn't tell Marc-Andre Fleury. He's upset. His agents made a statement. Well, Mark maybe won't play. He's going to evaluate his future, blah, blah, blah. Well, people calm down. Marc-Andre Fleury realized he makes a ton of money. He gets to go live in Chicago. He looked at the Blackhawks roster, looking pretty good. Got out, got away for some big contracts. Thank you, Edmonton Oilers, for that little nugget, that gift. And he decided to, you know what? I'm going to go to Chicago. And he releases a statement, a video of him in front of a private jet, of course. Uh, I'm coming and I'm going to get ready to work. Kind of a corny video. It is what it is. Now that Mark Andre Fleury is in the fold, the Chicago Blackhawks have a legit 1A goaltender. They still have dynamic Patrick Kane. They have Uber captain Sirius Jonathan Taves coming back, who is just chomping at the bit to get back from what I've heard. They've made some, you know, good acquisitions this off season. The players are good. Maybe the term isn't as good as uh, other teams got from their defensemen and Seth Jones and Jake McCabe. They immediately transform that defensive core. To a, from a weakness into a strength. They still have very good forwards in Debrinket, Kublik, Strom, Kirby Dock. They got Tyler Johnson from the Tampa Bay Lightning. All of a sudden, Tim, this ragtag group of people who has like no chance of winning a Stanley Cup and they got a lot of bad contracts, all of a sudden this Chicago Blackhawks team is like, hmm, you know, they could they could make something of the season. What what a work Stan. I dump on Stan Bowman a lot. He did. He had a pretty good offseason, and the Mark Andre Fleury trade was just the cherry on top to get him to come back and play. Like that's that's a pretty good offseason to get maybe the best goal in the league, eh, top five. You get the one of the biggest free agents, Seth Jones, to come. You get his brother Caleb Jones, huge get. Bigger than that, you get rid of Duncan Keith. You get Jake McCabe, who's a very underrated defender, and you get Johnny Taves coming back. And you don't give up anybody. It's it's a pretty good offseason for Stan Bowman for this year. You know, talk to me in four years when you saw that Seth Jones contract and it looks a little ugly, make a nine, whatever he's making. I don't know. Are you on the Chicago Blackhawks bandwagon? Oh, I totally am. I think this is going to be a good team. And again, like we're talking about what looks good on paper. We don't know. Like, I mean, Seth Jones, which players, which version of him is, are we going to get? How much does McCabe help their defense? I think that's still the biggest question mark is their defense. The forwards look good. I mean, like Kane, Debrinket, Kubelik, Strom, Doc, Johnson. It might not exactly be the top six. They'll probably balance that out. But that's as strong as a forward core is on most teams in the league. Fleury is arguably the best goaltender in the league, but definitely top five, like you said. 
I think Taze is a big question mark. Um, which, how healthy is he? Which version of himself is he going to be? Um, but yeah, on paper, this thing looks good and I'm excited about it. I did see, we had some conversations on social media and gosh, I forget the coach's name, the young guy, but um, they said he's not a great coach. And uh, Colleton, right? Jeremy Colleton. Yeah, Jeremy Colleton. Um, said he's kind of like, well, he's not a great coach. The Hawks aren't, fans aren't excited about him. I wonder if he is on the hot seat or if he's just got, I don't know. Do you know what do you know about him? I, I know the players love him. And I think he is a good coach. I don't know why people would dog on him. I think he, he's done a good job with this Chicago Blackhawks team ever since he took the reins from Joe Quinville. He came into a situation that was almost a lose-lose situation. You're taking over from Joe Quinville. He won three Stanley Cups. He was beloved by the fans. Like Joe Quinville could do whatever he wanted in Chicago and people would love him for it. And he, you know, he's taken some bumps along the way. He obviously didn't have as much success out of the gate as he wanted to, but it was a tough situation. You had a Duncan Keith who was regressing. You had a Brent Seabrook who at that time was still playing and was struggling physically. Jonathan Taves, now we know, was not, you know, 100%. And they were wrestling with the salary cap. So I think he's played well. You know, they, they surprised a lot of people in the bubble when they made this little run there. They had a good year last year when they weren't expected to with a, a goaltending tandem that wasn't up to par. They were okay. And he's cobbled together some pretty competitive seasons for a team that maybe shouldn't have been in that situation. So... This is where we see if he's a really good coach. He has some talent. He's got some defensemen. He has a really good goaltender. This is where we're going to see his merit and see if he actually can put together a very, very competitive team. I think he's a good coach. I like him. He, he's got good systems. He's not you know, over the top with the systems. He plays a conservative. He, he plays to the strengths of his team. The key to this team is, is going to be Kirby Doc. Is he going to you know take that next step? Can he be that first-line centerman? Can he anchor uh, Patrick Kane? That'll be the big question mark. We already know Johnny Taves is going to slot in at two-centered. You got to bring it. You, you pick up some tertiary performer. Like Tyler Johnson is going to be really big for them. They got Juhar Kahara from Edmonton. I like him. Michigan Tech grad, shout out. But um, they, they're a very good team. It's all going to depend on that first and second line. If they can produce Kirby Doc, which player are you going to get back? I like their defense. I don't know. I don't see weakness with this team. I really don't. I think they're very solid top to bottom. I like their third and fourth lines. They go out and get a Brett Connolly. He's a guy like he's a good player. Kahara, like I mentioned, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Now that they have some expectations, now that there is something there where like we should win. The last few years they weren't expected to do anything. It was like a feel good story. Now your GM went out. He got you a high end defenseman. He got you a high-end goaltender. He got you some help up front. You didn't lose any star guys. What are you going to do now? When you are the top dog, you're the guy who's being chased. You're not the chaser. And we'll see what these guys are made of. That's where Johnny Tave comes in and his, his experience, his mentality, his leadership. This is where it pays dividends because he is such a good captain. He's one of the top guys in the NHL when it comes to just motivating guys, getting guys to play their best. He, he's, there's no one like him. There really isn't. He's just an excellent, excellent captain. I don't expect them to win the Stanley Cup. I, I don't expect them to win their division, but they're going to be really dangerous. I like what Stan Bowman has done. Um, it'll be fun to watch him. It'll be fun to see if these young guys can take the next next step. The Kublicks, the Debrinkets, the Docs, they are stars in this league, but can they take that next step into like, we are going to win the Stanley Cup? Like we, you can throw, throw the team on our back, take the, take the team from Patrick Kane, from Jonathan Tapes, because those guys, you know, this, this might be their last, maybe two years left where they're, you know, the stars on the team. 
the next stars are those guys that I mentioned, the Kublik, the Docs, the Debrinkets, those those types of players. The Dylan Stroms, he's he's kind of found his way after a few years of not really sure what kind of player he was going to be. It's exciting time if I'm a Chicago fan. It really is. I like this team. Other than the Seth Jones contract, you know, maybe that's the price of business. That was the going price for Seth, for Seth Jones. But, you know, good for Chicago. It's very exciting for him. You know what I was thinking, too? Remember when we interviewed Taze last year and we talked to him? So that was in the middle of the lock, uh, not the lockout, the, the COVID season, which was kind of wacky. But he still put up 60 points in 70 games in that season. But the year before, he had the best season of his career. Jonathan Taze, at age whatever he is now, 32 or something, 33, he had 35 goals, 81 points in 82 games. Like he's still an elite, elite player. Not to, not to mention like his, his two-way play, his penalty kill, his leadership, all that stuff. But an offensively elite player in this league. Um, again, been through the, the, the ringer a little bit health-wise the last year and a half. So we'll see where, where he comes back. But if he's healthy, he's a good, good player. He's still got a lot left in the tank. Yeah, like he's not a David Krejci. But, you know, when you're a guy who's in the rafters, you, you can't expect everything. But he, he's a he's a solid player. I'll give you that. And if he can come back to that Jonathan Taves like he was two years ago or even the year prior, the, the Hawks will be in good shape. They'll be in really, really good shape. I expect them to compete. And Fleury's, gosh, everything I hear about Marc-Andre Fleury, whether it was from Revo, whether it was from the Penguins, like he's just a good dude. And he's going to do nothing but help the young Chicago goaltenders there. It, it's It's a good it's a good time to be a Hawks fan. I'm very excited. We should uh, swing down there and catch a game if we can. All right. Now, here's our next topic. I wasn't sure I was going to touch on it. And I'm not going to spend much time on it just because it's such a dirty situation. It doesn't make me feel good. Um, and everyone's talking about the Vander Kane situation. Tim, have you heard about this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Regretfully, everyone has heard about it. It's all over the American news. It's all over the Canadian news. It's everywhere. It's all over like social media. It's all over the celebrity gossip tabloids and stuff. It's a dirty situation. Evander Kane. Um, he's like, uh, he's a piece of trash. Um, I don't like him. I don't like this situation. I, I don't know if everything's true. I don't know the state that his wife's in. She's obviously pregnant. Emotions are running high. Just on face value, if everything is true, the guy deserves to be banned from the league and taken out behind the woodshed and just beat with a bag of doorknobs. Like he's just a dirt bag. You don't do that. I don't know what else to say. I don't want to get into the specifics, but he's just a jerk. It is what it is. I've heard nothing but bad things about this guy throughout his career, coming from Atlanta to Winnipeg to Buffalo. Everybody I've talked to, the equipment guys, the training guys, the medical guys, the players, literally everybody, even in San Jose, I have connections with all those teams. I've played in Buffalo. I've played in San Jose. I still keep in touch with everybody. I'm not actively trying to figure out what Evander Kane's up to, but when I cross, you know, guys like, hey, you know, how's the new additions? How's this? How's that? How, how is he, you know, fitting in? Everybody across the board unanimously, unanimously has said Evander Kane is a piece of, piece of junk. We don't like him. He doesn't fit. He's egotistical. He's narcissistic. He's in it for himself. He's an a-hole. And that's all I'll say. I'm going to wait till all of this kind of goes through the wash and see what's true and what's not true. If he's gambling on hockey, he needs to be banned for life. Um, he's Even if he's not gambling with hockey, he's just a jerk for what he's put his wife through and his kids. It's a terrible, like, you raise your kids. You be a man. I don't care what that. It's It's very... 
I don't care how, what your wife is like, you man up, you, you created that child. That that's your responsibility. I don't, he's a jerk. I don't like him. What it, uh, whatever, whatever I, I could go on. I'm going to be try to, you know, leave it at that. Tim, you have anything to add? Uh, no, better not. You, you, you said it well, so he's oh. a jerk. You know, I'm trying to be like, I, I try to be a good Catholic and be, see the, see the bright side. And you know, I hope he, he turns the corner and everything works out and he helps out his family and he, he does the right thing. But gosh, it seems like if there's an opportunity to do the right thing, he runs in the other direction. He does the complete opposite thing. So he's obviously got, he's fighting with some demons maybe, and hopefully he can figure out his life. You know, gambling is an addiction. It's a real thing. And hopefully you can get some help, but man, oh man, hanging your family out to dry. Isn't the right answer, man. So what are you going to do? Um, hopefully his wife can figure out a good situation and get away from that guy. If he's going to keep doing that, but uh, I don't think we see him again in the NHL. I really don't. I think he's done. I think this, I don't know. I'm not going to touch on it until more facts come out. That's all Tim. That's all I got for this. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk anymore about it. Let's let's end with something positive then. Something fun. All right. What is it? So we'll just go back to some fan questions. I, I've always got a ton in the in the in the in the holster in the tank, just ready to. All go. right. Let's do a couple. Then let's sign off. All right. Who was the hardest working teammate you ever played with? Oh, the hardest working teammates. Um, gosh, there's a lot. It's always like the third and fourth line guys, but you'd be surprised. A guy like. Brent Burns or Joe Thornton, those, those star guys. I remember the first time I walked into the rink in San Jose, I get there early and Joe Thornton's already been on the bike for an hour and he's already lathered up and he's just working his tail off. So I would say Jumbo was probably the hardest working guy I ever played with. That's a good answer. Uh, what was the best celebrity interaction you ever had? Ah, that's a good one. I would say it was in LA. LA always was fun because they had a bunch of stars. And so was the Rangers too, actually. Those those were two big ticket places where the stars would come. I remember in with the Rangers, they always had the, the celebrities come out and they would just get absolutely overserved. And we'd see them after the game and they'd be stumbling to their their cars. It was a it was a scene. Like high-end like people, just like couldn't even talk. And it was like, what have you been doing at the game? And who knows what they were doing? Like I'm talking high-end like supermodel married to justin verlander like just stumbling to the car like can't even like see straight i'm like that was wild stuff but i'd say the best celebrity interaction we had was uh i met jim carrey and i'm from canada he was always the guy dumb and dumber all those great movies and i met him after a game when we were playing the kings and he came up to me he's like hey man love your game and i was like blown away that he even knew how I, who I was. I think it was after I beat up Kevin Westgarth. So I like got some props that game and he came right up. He's like, Hey John, like good, good game, good fight. And like took a picture with him and stuff. It was really cool to like meet Jim Carrey, like Jim Carrey. He was the best actor for how many years, like a good decade where he was the guy, everything he touched was like box office gold. No, no, you, you don't seem impressed, Tim. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. Sorry. My facial expression not helping you. You need to smile big. To make me feel good about myself. You're like, what? Jim, Jim Carrey? Carrey? No. The, guy, the Grinch? You met him? You met him. But then there was other ones that I wasn't uber impressed. Like I, we used to kind of hang out with Vince Vaughn and he was, he was cool. He was just a normal guy. Yeah. But, you know, he just looked like a normal guy. He, I didn't get that superstar vibe from him. Then it was, just, he's actually a really cool guy. He was around the Hawks quite a bit. All right. One more and then we're, and we're good. 
Last question. What was the best text you ever got from an unknown number? You ever get like a, hey, John, it's Wayne Gretzky, like, love your game type of thing? Oh, gosh. Um, there was a bunch during the All-Star game. And I think the best one I ever got were Mike, Bab- Mike Babcock reached out and he shot me a text and he's like, Hey John, I got your number from whoever. Great job. Um, love seeing you out there. Congratulations. All the best. Mike Babcock. That's really cool. I Wasn't never that cool? It was just one of those random moments where I was like, why would Mike Babcock go out of his way to send me a text? And it was just so, super cool. You know, and that's when he was, I think he was still the coach of the Leafs, maybe even with Detroit. I don't know what, where he was at that time, but he somehow got my number, shot me a text. And I was just like, I think I responded. Thanks, Mike. But I got so many text messages that weekend from people who I didn't know their number. And it was just uh, like, it was just funny. All the coaches like, uh, Alain Vigneault shot me a text and a couple other coaches and a lot of players reached out like, great job. That was awesome. Fun, fun watching out there. So yeah, there was a bunch of them. I should go back and like look at all the texts I got during that that weekend because there's a bunch. I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. Must have taken weeks to catch up with everything, right? Um, well, no, you, you power out a good hour, just like you cut and paste. Like, thank you very much. Appreciate it. It was a fun weekend, you know. Thanks. That way, you know, you just copy and paste all those. So, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, that that's kind of the most uh, unique text I've gotten, which was cool. Mike Babcock, who would have thought? Before we log off, I want to talk about the shirt that you're wearing right now. Uh, the Dropping the Gloves t-shirt with Hockey Fights presented by Via Violent Gentlemen. They, uh, they're hooking us up. A lot of cool shirts. is black and white. Um, they look really fresh. Check out our social media channels to see what they look like. and see they how look they're fresh? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You, know, you know what the kids now say? They say, oh, those shirts are clean. That's a clean outfit, John. Kids uh, are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these shirts are pretty clean. Uh, check us out on the social media channel, see what they look like, and you can buy them on violentgentlemen.com. And they're good shirts. Goes to a good cause to me. So go and buy some. I get I get some money, which is always good. I need some money. See, unlike some people, I have kids and I support them. So the money is going to a good cause. Clothes and foods for my kids, because I don't buy anything new. I'm wearing this shirt because they gave it to me for free, Tim. I ain't going uh, on buying new clothes for me. Are you talking? Are you digging at me or Evander Kane? Oh, you have kids that you don't support? No, I don't have kids at all. I thought you were trying to tell me to get my life going. Oh, well, that too. It was it was almost it worked work both ways. You can yeah. take it for yourself. That's very humble of you to kind of see that and introspective think it's for you. That's a very good treat to have, Tim. All right, everybody. Well, this was kind of a downer show. Lots of negative stuff. We'll kind of pump it up on Wednesday. Thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate the support. We hope you guys like the product we're putting on. You know, drop drop us a line if you want us to do something. We're always open to changing up the show a little bit. We're not too set in our ways. Go on. Uh, where can they go to drop us a five-star review, Tim? Where do we where do we do that? Uh, via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Leave us a review. That's actually huge. If we get five-star reviews, it helps us. People can get more eyes on the show. It's, it's really, you have no idea how beneficial that is to us. So go and do that. We really appreciate it. Thanks for watching the show. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.